0: Unless you've um, sort of been living in a cave or under a rock for the last nine days, you probably know what happened in Paris uh, last week. And uh, in comparison to lots of other events and bombings and suicide bombings and attacks like that, it's kind of similar in some ways and kind of not in other ways, and there's all kinds of political people figuring out what's different and what's not. Um, but that kind of thing has been going on for a long time. What, what I noticed different is that the word evil just sort of popped out of everyone's vocabulary all of a sudden uh, nine days ago. Um, I, I don't know why it's reserved, and I haven't had an opportunity to talk to the people on TV or behind blogs or wherever, why they reserved the word evil for nine days ago, but um, it doesn't get used, by the news and by lots of other people until they decide it's ready to be used I I really don't know Um, but it offended me and I spent the last nine days trying to figure out why it offended me Um, you know people who I didn't expect to have a concept of evil use the word evil Um, people who support things that I think are evil used the word evil Um, and it bothered me. So rather than stand up here and tell you what I think is evil, because I'm just another opinion out of seven billion, Um, it doesn't do any good to have a fight of opinions and say, well, you think that's evil and I think this is evil and you're just wrong because I'm right. Um, Why don't we actually look to God to see what, what is evil? What is it? And I'm, we're not going to have a philosophical discussion. I'm not going to... If you want to go ask Google what is evil, you can get into all kinds of philosophies. Um, we're not here to talk about philosophy this morning. Um, that kind of thing interests me somewhat, intellectually, right? What people think is evil and why. Um, but it, it doesn't bear importance. It doesn't bear any weight. It doesn't carry water, so to speak the only thing that carries water is what evil really is if if it is anything or if it's just a concept we created um, I'll, I'll i'll i want to read one uh, or maybe a couple of quotes i I, I, uh, I found that sort of convey the idea so th- this was this was carried um, in a newspaper and the quote is from a man who was previously a very high-ranking official in the French government, uh, a previous president. He was a, an advisor to or something like that. And this is sort of kind of like an op-ed he just wrote about, about the thing. This is a very short little snippet, um, but he says, As long as we do not create the conditions for an alliance of all the forces of good across the planet against those of evil, Disorder can only grow, and the worst violence will increase in our streets, committed by victims of chaos elsewhere. There are thousands of definitions in history of good and evil. Today, the evil is terrorism, wherever it comes from. Facing that evil, the good, and he puts quotes around the word good, even himself, the good must be defined in a modest way bringing together all those opposed to evil, even if we have much to otherwise criticize in our chosen allies. So you see, even in his own own writing, he says, yeah, evil's been defined differently throughout time, and today I'm defining it this way. Well, you, you can see the problem with that, right? Evil then just becomes a matter of might makes right, or... A democracy, let's just vote on what's evil. Evil can change. Um, but at least he's, what I respect from this is he's, he's honest about it. Like, he recognizes that. Yeah, we just change the definitions when it's convenient for us. Um, but then there were quotes from the, that I kind of expected to hear more of. You know, when I look at the news kind of on a daily basis, this is, a, this is something I would have expected to hear more of and didn't hear very much of. Uh, This is a person on the streets in Paris interviewing some young people who are gathered outside a cafe. Uh, The the, the author writes, but they aren't angry, at least not at the perpetrators. And this is the beginning of a quote. They're stupid, but they aren't evil. Their friend Sabrina, an administrative worker in one of the theaters in the 11th arrondissement, said, they are victims of a system that excluded them from society and that's why they feel this doesn't belong to them and they could attack. There are those who live here in alienation and we are all to blame for this alienation. So that's actually what I expected to hear more of from the media, even in this country, was that, well, it's not evil, it's just a consequence. It's it's a We are a bunch of walking chemical reactions, and this was a chemical reaction that happened that day in Paris, and so it's not evil, it's just a chemical reaction. But I didn't hear very much of that, honestly. I expected to hear a lot of that. I didn't hear much, and, and I think maybe that's why I was so offended was maybe what I expected to hear I didn't hear. Instead I heard something like what I would say coming from people that I just, like, you're nothing like me. How are you saying this? Are you, am, I, am I now somehow related to you morally? Right? And so I spent the last week sort of trying to figure out why that offended me so much. All right, so who wins the, the battle then? Does the big high-ranking French official who says there is evil, does he win? Just because he's got position? Or what, what about the girl on the street who says, well, they're not evil? They're a consequence of our actions. Right? That's, her, that's her stance. I mean, who wins? They're, just, they're defining evil however they want to define it. So let's look at what Jehovah has to say. Um, and I actually searched the text of the Bible for the word evil. We're not going to go through all that. <laughs> I mean, it is all over the place. And actually, it's used in two different, primarily two different ways that I found interesting. One is talking about events, like the evil that comes upon the country, the evil that comes upon the nation, or God brought this evil upon me. Talking about events, right? Not moral, good and bad, just, you know, it was a disaster, right? This evil that happened. There's no real moral, morality attached to that kind of use of the word. But then the other use of the word was the, the sense that I'm thinking of, good versus evil, and we're just going to look at very, very few, really small number of passages here. Um, in Genesis 39, again, not, not going through all the context of this, but this is um, an instance where Joseph is in the house of, of his master. He's been sold as a slave. And his master's wife is trying to seduce him. Right? And this is a story many of us know. And in in verse 9, well, we'll we'll back up to verse 7. Genesis 39, verse 7. It came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph, and she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, with me here my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. He has put all that he owns in my charge. There is no one greater in this house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God. Joseph had the understanding that what evil is, and its most basic fundamental level, is sin against God. You can't commit evil and not commit sin, and you can't commit sin and not commit evil. Evil, doing something evil, is sin against God in its basic level now again we're not going to go into an entire study of Jehovah's character but God doesn't change he's the same yesterday today and tomorrow what was sin yesterday is sin today now he gives different laws right, and different dispensations of time that have effect but when we rebel rebellion is the same It doesn't matter what time of history we're living in. Rebellion is sin. And it's always sin. And therefore it's evil. Um, That's a very simplistic definition. But I I wanted to bring that out because it's an all-encompassing definition. And I think in every situation it's true. It's not conditional. If I can identify sin in myself, then I've identified evil. In myself, right I, I think that 's what that's teaching um, similar to this if you flip over to deuteronomy thirty one and again because of the nature of this study we're going to be doing turning through the pages um, I'll try to give you a, a, a few seconds to do that in deuteronomy thirty one we see a similar way this is described. Um, Beginning in verse fourteen, we're not going to read all of this, but this is where um, the Lord is telling, you know, Moses. This is kind of the end. This is you need to get prepared. Um, the, you know, in in verse sixteen, you're going to die. Um, the people are going to fall away. Um, he's he's kind of giving him the bad news. He's telling him what's going to happen. Um, My anger is going to be kindled against them. Verse seventeen. Um, in verse eighteen, uh, the Lord says to Moses, "But I will." Surely hide my face in that day, because of all the evil which they do. For they will turn to other gods. Another way to think about evil—it's not a second definition. It's just—I think it's another, another angle to look at the same thing—is really just turning away from Jehovah to anything else and to other gods. God calls them gods. Right? If we turn to something other than him, then God would say we've turned to another God. We don't think of it that way because we think of ourselves as intellectually above that kind of thing, right? Well, that's not an intellectual thing; it's a spiritual thing. If we turn to something other than Jehovah, we've turned to a god mm-hmm. period right full full stop that's it um and he says that's evil right so Again, not two different definitions, two different ways to look at the same thing. If, if it's easier for you to think of, well, sin is evil, okay, kind of hold on to that. If it's easier for you to think of turning away from Jehovah, like he's here, and I'm pursuing something in a different direction, right? That's still sin. I'm not saying it's a different definition. That's sin. But that's evil. Right? That's what he says here. That's evil. Um Turn to 1 Kings chapter 3. So, so we kind of have, okay, this idea, this concept, right? Evil is doing something against God or turning away from God, opposing Him, rebelling against Him in some way. In 1 Kings 3, Solomon prays something here that I, I kind of find interesting. And it's this: it's the famous prayer that he offers when God says, you know, um, what is it that you would like? What, what do you want? Um... In 1 Kings 3 verse 9, I'll just, we'll just look at verse 9. This is kind of the end, this is the summation of it. So give your servant, this is Solomon praying, so give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? The ability to discern good from evil is not necessarily completely built within us. It comes from God. Um, And that's what Solomon was asking for here. He said, I need the ability from you to discern good from evil. Now, again, we, we didn't look at it, but back in the garden, we know that when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, they gained the knowledge of good and evil. Right? And so now, with that knowledge, comes the burden of now i got to discern between these two things. Right? They didn't have that. They didn't, they didn't think about that. right? Oh, I just want the knowledge. Well, okay, now you've got the knowledge, but now you have to discern. Now you have to tell them apart. Right? That's the hard thing. That's the uncomfortable thing. Right? And, and Solomon here recognized, there is some place I can go for that discernment, and it's God. Jehovah knows how to discern. can help us in that so we see what it is it's turning away from him and he sees that he is willing to grant right the ability to discern between the two finally if turn to psalm chapter or psalm five sorry um turn to the fifth psalm and this is more just a characteristic or sort of a a nature of evil right this and I don't think anyone here would struggle with this concept, but I bring it up because there are, there are lots of people who struggle with this concept, and it, they struggle sincerely with it. I don't mean they're just rebelliously ignorant. Right? Uh, Psalm 5, verse 4, again, I'm just going to read the one verse. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil dwells with you. Okay. Um, God is is able to give us the ability to discern between good and evil, but He's not good and evil. There's a big difference between God discerning between good and evil and giving the ability to have that discernment and Himself possessing the same qualities. He does not possess any evil whatsoever. And again, rather than going through all of the text and all of the verses about what states evil, evil is sort of defined when God's existence is shown for what it is. I know that's really complicated and that's getting on the border of the philosophy and philosophical type things. But there's God, and then apart from Him is evil. That's it. That's all there is to it. And I don't mean that like because we're outside of God, we're evil. I mean in character, in characteristics, right? in, in morality. When God says, I pursue this, then that thing is good, by definition, because He pursues it when God says, I abhor this thing, I hate this thing, this thing has nothing to do with me, then that defines it as evil because He's God. He has the right to do that. You and I do not. Just because I get offended doesn't mean I'm experiencing something evil. But when God gets offended, it is. There's a difference. He defines it. And I need to mold my character such that I do get offended when he's offended and not offended when he's not offended. Take on his character, right? Yeah. So, he he gives the ability to discern. He is not evil. Evil is not near him. It's not part of him. does not dwell with him. He does not take pleasure in wickedness. Okay. So, we've seen these things. I want to look at an example. <clears throat> and this, again... Something I've read a hundred times, but still when I was preparing for this, just kind of knocked me off my seat if you If you want to turn to Malachi chapter one, <clears throat> you know when we think of examples of evil, you might think I'd turn over to you know Ahab and jezebel manasseh uh Cain, right um Not Malachi. But in Malachi, um, you know, verse 6, God is sort of making this case. Again, he's in this sense, he sort of condescends to present his case. You know, he never really has to present his case, but it's I think it's grace on his part to show, right, all the sins of the people, you know, and take the time to do that rather than just snuff them out. And he's, he's sort of making this case about the fact they don't respect him. In in one verse, in verse 8 of of Malachi chapter 1, But when you present the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you present the lame and sick, is it not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you, or would he receive you kindly? Says the Lord of hosts. I mean, yeah, okay, I can, I can look at somebody who, who, or a group of people who kill 130 you know, innocents on the streets who were just engaged in everyday life and say, that's evil, right? that's easy. But when, when God looks at my sacrifice and He says, your sacrifice isn't good enough, that's evil. Well, I need to like wake up a little bit at that point. He doesn't say, yeah, you made a sacrifice. It wasn't really what I'm looking for. Let's give this kind of another shot. He just flat out says that's evil. That is evil. Now, I I don't hear the same people on the TV and on the Internet saying that that would be evil. They'd be like, oh, man, he's making sacrifices. That guy must be pious. Right? I don't even. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't sacrifice. But yeah, for him, that's great. You see, there's no use of the word evil, or good. It's just relative. It's not relative for God. If it's not what He wants, it's evil. If it's not what He commands. It's evil. If it's be, if it goes beyond, what He's commanded. It's evil. So it it's the reason I think it it offended me as I was going through and hearing all this stuff was maybe I had some sort of more biblical grasp of what evil was than than, than some of these people on TV and I was sort of feeling all high and mighty right and, and better than them and then I got to this verse <laughs> and I was like well okay I messed up right uh I don't think of my sins and my rebellions and my slips as evil. I think of them as like, you know, that's an opportunity for God to show me grace. Right, Romans 6. Let us just sin more so that grace might abound. That's evil. Right? I mean, it's not just what makes a whole country call something evil to be evil. When God says it's evil, it's evil. Right. And He has said some things that are evil that I think we didn't. We don't... I don't. I won't speak for you. I mean, this may be like not news for you, but I don't think about it in the front of my mind as being evil. So... This is going to sound like a strange question, but, you know, bear with me. So if we know what evil is, we kind of defined it. We looked at it We looked at an example. Well, then what should our relationship to it be, right? And the, the, the easy part is, well, we just need to be away from it, right? But we're going to be surrounded by it, right? So how do we, how do we interact? How are we supposed to feel? What are we supposed to do, right? Not we, the easy part is to say, well, I'm just not to do evil things, True, don't do evil things. But the person next to you is going to do evil things. What are you going to do? The person on the other side of you is going to teach evil things. What are you going to do? Right? So you are going to have a relationship with it in that sense, right? There are things, a relationship is like, I'm far away from it. That's still how you relate to it. Right? How do you relate to it? Um, again, tons and tons and tons of... of uh, Verses talk about this. We're going only going to touch on a few, and then we'll be done. Um, turn back to Deuteronomy chapter twenty-three. I want to look at something there, and I mentioned this earlier, but I I, I kind of want to be clear, or at least as, as clear as God is about this. I'm sort of I'm taking this out of. Context: th- th- This section of Deuteronomy um, is almost kind of like Proverbs. God's giving these kind of one-off commands: Do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this. And look, if you look in verse nine, uh, he says, "When you go out as an army against your enemies, you shall keep yourself from every evil thing." Right. So that, that's kind of that first premise I, I mentioned, where we just keep ourselves from every evil thing. That's our primary relationship to evil. But the implication of this is I have to discern, right? I have to look at something and say, that's evil, I need to stay away from that, or that's good, I need to draw myself to that. I need to be closer to that. I need to make that a part of my life, right? So we can thank Adam and Eve for, for bringing that on us, right? We now have that same burden they did. We have to discern, right? That That is a relationship we need to have, is we need to go in, get into God's Word and say, okay, God, I need to know if I'm to be living this way, if I'm to be talking this way, if I'm to be speaking this way, if I'm to be with these people and how I'm to be with these people, right? I mean, Jesus hung out with sinners, right? I have heard people use that to say, well, then I'm going to go sin with them when Jesus never sinned. Do you see the, the discernment that's involved there? We have to be around sinners if we're to have any kind of influence with sinners, right? And yet we are called to not sin because Jesus didn't sin. There's discernment. How do I do this? How do I do that? Right? There's wisdom involved in that. That burden is on us. And so it's not good enough for us to say I'm not actively engaged in evil. I'm done with evil. Right? You're setting yourself up for a nasty fall, right? Because evil's going to evil's going to sneak in. And it's going to infiltrate if you're not preparing yourself for discernment, right? um, The other easy ones, if you want to look in um, Psalm uh, 97, and I'm just going to read the one verse, verse 10. Hate evil, you who love the Lord, who preserves the souls of his godly ones. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. If you love God, right? And I've met many, many, many people who state that sincerely, right? Well, then you are directed here, hate evil. Not countenance it, not just kind of look the other way, not think, "Oh, that's sort of an unfortunate part of my life. Hate it. Detest it, despise it. right? It is lower than everything else that you should be associated with, right? Not people, I'm not talking about people, I'm talking about evil, right? Teachings against God, actions against God, rebellion against God, pursuing pursuit of anything other than God, right? hate that. Now at the same time there's another sort of emotion I think of. I mean hate is not an emotion because it's a decision, right? God God never commands emotions. He commands decisions. Right? When he commands love, he's commanding a decision. Here he commands hate, he's commanding a decision. I right? hate it. Well, there's another here in um in Psalms. If you go back to chapter 23 or Psalm 23, Very famous psalm. One of my favorite songs that we have in our songbook. Verse 4, David writes here, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I would suggest to you that it's a hard thing to do, to hate something and not fear it. Because that's, that's the, the human experience is, if I fear something, then I also hate it. Like me and snakes. I hate them, and I fear them. I mean, and I, that, that's not going to change. <laughs> that's, that's, that's stuck, right? So we kind of carry that over into our spiritual lives, right? Well, here, we're not to fear evil. What can it do to you? it can't do anything to you. There's nothing that could snatch you from the hand of God. Nothing. Right? Romans 8. Go read the end of Romans 8. Height, depth, powers, principal nothing. But we are to hate it. And it occurred to me that if, if you don't fear it, but you really hate it, and again, this is going to sound kind of weird, but this is sort of where I arrived at you can look on someone who is involved in it and you can have compassion on that person. Because you don't fear them and you hate what they're under the power of. Right? Do you see how that works? If you feared and hated the evil, you would, just be, you would want to destroy that person and get them as far away from you as possible. Right? But if you don't fear the evil that they're involved in, but you hate it, you want to save that person. You may not be able to. I'm not saying that gives you the power to rescue every person from their sin, but I think it gives you the attitude toward that person that God has. Toward that person. And that's what we're to have. So there's a lot of power in that. I've never thought about that, that verse before, you know, I fear no evil, in relation to hating evil at the same time. But I think there's a lot of power in that, that we can have a proper attitude toward people around us who are so... Overpowered and given over to, right? It's not that they they are overpowered against their will. When we are given over to evil, it's a decision, right? But we can have compassion on those people if we hate the evil that they're in and not fear it. Um, I want to look at a couple of passages in the New Testament, uh, and then we'll be done. Matthew chapter fifteen. Just. This gets to a little bit of the nitty-gritty. I mean, we've been talking in very high levels about evil, right, and what it is. And, but how, how, do we, how do we walk out of here um, and do something or be something different, right? How, how does this help us? If you look in Matthew 15, beginning in, in verse 15, um, Peter's asking for an explanation, um, Explain this parable to us, and I'm not going to go back and read the parable, but Jesus says in verse 16, Are you still lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. These are the things which defile the man, But to eat with one unwashed hands does not defile the man. The way for us to start making sure that we're on the right, we have the right relationship to evil is guarding our hearts. It's going to start in our hearts. If we don't cultivate the same attitudes that God has in our heart within, and I mean literally, like cultivate the attitude, like look at something. That repulses you and doesn't repulse God, and say, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna root out the repulsive feeling I have in my life." Mm-hmm. Right? I'm, it's it's gonna take work. It's not just gonna be well. You know, I'm gonna sit in my chair and suddenly tomorrow I'm I'm gonna feel like God feels. Amen. It's hard. It's it it's not. It's not something that's not gonna take effort. We have to cultivate that same attitude. Right. And then if we're consistent, and we're sincere, then what comes from our heart is going to guide our actions. Our actions are going to follow, but we can't just, again, we can't just sit back and say, well, I got my heart good, so I'm just stopping, right? We have to act, right? Go do those things that God says are good and stop those things that we're involved in that God says this is evil, Right? Some people want to fix the actions and say, "Well, I got the outside all nice and pretty, and not fix the heart." Well, that doesn't work. And then some people actually want to fix the heart, and then they just want to shut themselves off in a, in a cube, and not move again for the rest of their lives. Well, that's unacceptable to God too. Heart and actions, right, are necessary. Um, <clears throat> the last passage is the passage we read, at the very beginning. So I won't read the whole thing. It's in Romans 12. But there are some things that stuck out to me here. Um, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. In verse seventeen. In fact, verse twenty. If your enemy is hungry, it doesn't say if if a person is hungry, right? Sometimes we want to read it that way. Oh, I found a hungry person, so I I, I uh, satisfied Romans 12.20. Nope, you didn't, actually. Feeding somebody who's hungry does not satisfy Romans 12.20. You have to find your enemy who's hungry and feed your enemy. Then you've satisfied Romans 12.20. he's thirsty give him a drink for in so doing you will heap burning coals on his head do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good this is the final thought i wanted to bring out about evil you don't fight evil with evil and it seems obvious having gone through all of this kind of discussion and looking at god and we're trying to be like god how does he fight evil he doesn't fight evil with evil Oh, Satan, you're really bad today, so I'm just going to be worse than you. Right? I mean, again, when you say it that way, it sounds ridiculous. Right? It's, it's just ludicrous. What does God do? He loves the people that Satan entraps. He loves the people that Satan ensnares. Anyway, he gives them sunshine, he gives them rain, he gives them breath. The same things he gives us. So how do, if God overcomes evil that way, it, it's just natural. That's how we are to overcome evil. It's by doing good for people who are still evil. Never repaying evil for evil. So, I hope, I hope this study has kind of helped you. It's a little different. Maybe because I didn't have as much time to prepare my thoughts as I do some of the other ones but it was really just bearing down on me, and I kind of wanted to study it for myself, but then present these thoughts to you. Maybe you've had the same kind of struggles I have when you see things that are evil, and then you see other people involved in evil calling things evil, right? We need to use that as an opportunity to have a discussion with people around the Scripture. You know? Did you, did you hear that person say that that was evil? You know, I haven't heard people use the word evil. Let's look and see what else might be evil in here that maybe is not being called out. Um, so that would help us in our discussions with people, but primarily, um, look in the mirror too. Amen. Um, there are some things in our lives that's evil. And the reason I can say that with confidence is that if there's not, then we have to be able to stand before God and say, I'm perfect. You're done with me. There's nothing more to do. Right? Well, I don't, I don't mean we're necessarily in rebellion against Him, but there are things that are not part of His character that we've got to get rid of in our lives. And there are things in His character that we've got to take on, right? And until we're there, right, then we're not perfect. So let's look in the mirror too and think in, term, in very serious terms about what evil is in our lives as well. Thank you for your time and for your attention. Um, we're going to sing a song at this time that Chuck's selected. And the purpose of that song is to give people here time to kind of meditate and think about their lives um, and realize that you're surrounded by people in this room who want to go to heaven themselves and want you with, there with them. And if you need prayers, if you need help, if you need counsel, um, this is the time to let someone know so that we can talk with you and sit down with Scripture and help you with that. <clears throat> so if you would, let's uh, stand and sing.